I'm Troy Washington from KTBS3, and we welcome you to the Education Checkup. We look forward to sharing the positives and the challenges of our local schools. We will talk with education leaders, teachers, and community leaders, letting our community know what is happening and talking about ideas to share between schools and our community. We will have new episodes every Monday, and you can find KTBS Education Checkup wherever you listen to podcasts. Let me introduce my co-host, Dr. Philip Roseman. Now, Dr. Roseman, there has been a big emphasis on education for you. I mean, pretty much all your life, but definitely a passion for the last 25 years. Tell me about that and why you are so into improving education. I just think education is so important. Uh, to the individual, to the child, to the parents, the opportunities that comes with education is phenomenal. And I'm a, I'm a person that has certainly uh, got a great deal out of the education that I, I was given. Um, I think this show is a way of actually talking a little bit about not only the great positive stories we have in education, but the challenges we have. Uh, and we'll be able to talk about those issues throughout time. Today we have a really special guest. You know, we talk about teachers, having teachers and principals and school leaders. Today we're going to have a community leader. Uh, who has done something in Baton Rouge that hopefully will move to Shreveport. Uh, we have uh, uh, Dr. Laura Cassidy. Uh, Laura, uh, thank you for being here. Um, you know, I, you're not a doctor of education, you're a doctor of medicine. Uh, I know you worked as a surgeon for 17 years in Baton Rouge. Uh, and since the last, about 2012, I've been working with dyslexia uh, and a special school in dyslexia. Let me just tell you a quick story to just let you know uh, about why this is so important to me uh, and why I'm so involved in, in looking at dyslexia here. Uh, my grandson uh, has recently been diagnosed with dyslexia in Dallas. And you know, they were to, trying to find a school like the school you're talk, gonna, we're gonna be talking about today, a special school for dyslexia much like we have special hospitals for cancer or, or, or for heart disease, we have special, this would be a special school for dyslexic children. And his, the school for him to go to in Dallas is a private school, not a charter school. And that school costs over $20,000 a year to go. I know that we were able to do that, but most people can't. Uh, and so that's why it's so important to us uh, to have you with Louisiana Key Academy look at the Northwest Louisiana and say maybe this is something we can bring to Northwest Louisiana from Baton Rouge and North Shore. Um, listen, um, it is an unusual story. Tell me, tell me about your journey. How did you get from physician uh, to working in dyslexia? How did that all happen? So your story is a common story. I think a lot of people don't understand what dyslexia is, but then when you have a child in your life, whether it's your grandchild, your nephew, your, your child, you're like, wow. And so for us, our daughter, our youngest daughter um, is dyslexic. It was a real journey uh, to have her identified and an even more costly one to have her educated. and. Uh, as two physicians, uh, we're like, you know, this is crazy. Uh, this is a common, dyslexia is one in five, and most people could not afford, one, to first have the child identified, tested, because that can cost several thousand dollars, 
and secondly, educated. And it is, in my mind, it is a workforce issue. It is important to the individual to be identified and educated. And it's important to the community because these are bright kids who, if identified, can learn to read and um, are, uh, offer much to the community. But it's when they're not identified, like my daughter wasn't in the first grade, just struggling, kick the principal. Um, she probably hates it, I say that. <laughs> but you know, it just, it, they're frustrated because they're smart, but they don't know why am I struggling. And so for me, it's just been a journey and opportunity to try to help other parents. Yeah, it is, absolutely. You know, I was in a meeting and was talking about dyslexia and about charter schools. Uh, and one of what I consider the best and brightest of our young legislators uh, in Baton Rouge uh, said that he was dyslexic and had to, and went to school to be able to overcome that. It is a common thing and it is something that, you know, we really can, uh, who, who knows what life had been like if he had not been identified and, and taken care of at that point in time. Yes, we do know statistically that those students that are not identified as dyslexic are more likely to drop out of school, less likely, of course, then to attend college, and more likely to be incarcerated. So again, it is a, it is a workforce issue. If you don't care about individuals, then care about the community. Mm -hmm. And these are bright kids who have a lot to offer. Well, tell, tell us about dyslexia. How, how, how would a parent begin to recognize it as in their younger children? What steps should they take? Tell us a little bit about that. Right, so briefly, and I'll try to, hopefully this will translate, but you know, we speak, we first speak, and oral language for most kids comes quite naturally. And about at age two, you know, the doctor can tell you if your child has uh, enough of a vocabulary, is speaking enough words. And it, it is the way that that oral language then translates to reading is that the spoken word is matched to the print, to the alphabet. Because if you think about it, the alphabet is just a bunch of squiggly lines. And our brain has to connect sound to those squiggly lines. That's the part that's hard for the dyslexics. It has nothing to do with IQ. It is just deep in the brain, the area that usually doesn't connect those two is bypassed. They use an alternate system. So one would be delayed speech. So, and that's pretty common, but that can be seen with dyslexic kids. Other things are difficulty hearing rhymes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, all the ones you can think of when, when you're uh, a small child, and it's obviously one syllable words like cat and mad and the cat in the hat or the hat on the cat, mm. how, whatever it may be. So, so that's, that's, that's that sound, that, that oral language sound. And then the alphabet. They will have problems learning the alphabet, not just the sequence A, B, C, D, but like if you say, okay, what, here's the letter A, what's the sound, and ah, uh, you know, or uh, that's difficult. And they may know it one day, or they may know it in the morning, and they don't know it in the mm. afternoon. So by the end of kindergarten, which is when we should be identifying these kids, you've seen 
you know, some or all of these patterns. Some of these indicators. Yes. As you would probably call them. Right. So how, what would you say to a parent or like a grandparent who's trying to process this as well? How do you approach it? And to maybe just know that you're not alone, like this is something that, like you said, you guys have experienced. So just, you know, understand that it's pretty common. Right, it's common and people, unfortunately, a lot of people will say, oh, just wait, it'll come. And that's the wrong answer. Mm -hmm. uh, I can remember when Kate was young and that's what they told me. And the way they said dyslexia, I was like, oh, sounds ominous. I don't even think I want her to have it. Therefore, I'm not even gonna look into it. This is the doctor saying that, right? But it's not a bad thing. It's, I mean, there's, again, they're, they're smart kids. And we know the earlier we identify the child, the better, because they're gonna have their self-esteem uh, battered and you wanna start on a special curriculum education for them. So if you see these signs or, or you're, because again, I think trying to understand that reading is a process linked to that oral language and that starts two, three, and four years. So we don't need to wait till third or fourth grade. We, we should, those kids that are struggling with those basic alphabetic principles, those are the kids we wanna, and again, as a doctor, because sometimes I think people in education are like, oh, you wanna label the person, well, I'm a doctor. I want to identify the problem so I can treat it. That's the way I, look, good way at I look at it. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah you know, I, in my case with my grandchild, mm -hmm. it was uh, we couldn't figure out what it was. Again, I'm 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 being real honest here. Is this dyslexia? Is this autism? You know, what's the difference? You know, seem to have some of this all mixed up. You know, but uh, but uh, you know, turns out. The most important thing was that my daughter was smart enough to recognize this isn't right because she's an occupational therapist and she went and tried to find out from the beginning what was this problem that that Luke was having so we can treat it as you so said. we can treat it yeah. so why why just a school on its own why not just take care of dyslexia in the neighborhood schools um, you know, why, why a special school? So I love, you said, you know, we have specialized hospitals, like the cardiac hospital, the heart hospital, the cancer. And see, I, I love that model because, you know, 50 years ago, there was the family practice doctor and you went to everything, but over time we're like, you know, we're not smart enough to know everything about medicine so we specialize and we're really good at one thing and i want that's my goal for education because i think as science tells us more and we have a lot of science about dyslexia we know that they need teachers that are trained our teachers are trained for one to two years additionally our classroom size is much smaller our curriculum is specific our kids go into groups of six for structured language arts, including reading, for 90 minutes every day. And that's hard for a traditional school to do because um, you, you, the way I look at it is we take it to scale so it's more affordable. And, and 
again, then you have people with deep knowledge of what dyslexia is. Everybody understands it. Because think about it, you go to reading, but when you go to science and social studies, you're reading. So if you're introduced new language and you don't know the child, then you're like, okay, speak up, talk faster, <laughs> read it out loud. You know, then the poor child is like, oh my gosh. So we don't have that because everybody's on board. You know, Laura, one of the things that grabbed me when I went to visit the school in Baton Rouge um, is the children coming and wanting to share what they, what they knew or read to you, you know, out of a book. And, um, and one of the people that was showing us around talked a lot about children when they first get there um, really not having a good self-image. Right. That, that one of the big positives of that specialty school uh, is that everybody is on the same level playing field and they feel like they're okay. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that, what you've seen uh, you know, with the school? Right, and I, I think that goes back to, I wish that we had um, all of our kids entered in the first grade, but they don't. And the longer it is till they come to our school, the more they've been sitting in a classroom feeling like a failure. Because if they weren't smart, they'd be like, okay, I'm doing great. But they're smart and they're like, I'm not doing like... They know something is wrong. Yes, they're looking at the, the neighbors and they're like, something's wrong. So I think it's a relief to be like, oh, you know, other people are struggling with this. Then you can also see older kids who are doing well. And you're not going to get called by a teacher to read out loud and be made fun of. And nobody's going to hint that you're stupid or you're lazy. Um, they're going to take you where you are, that you're going to be with kids that are on that same level. And we don't have kids repeat grades because it's not like if they worked harder, they would have done better, right? Yeah. It, it's, it, again, they're using this part of the brain to read and write and spell that's what we call inefficient. And it's a lot more work. It's hard work. So our job is to give them the tools so that they can learn to do those better, which they will. And in the same time saying, you know what? Your pace is just fine. You know, you're not too slow. You're not, you know, um, sort of like Goldilocks. You're just right. And I think that takes a lot of the pressure off the kid because as you were mentioning with your daughter, she's probably young and frustrated and you know, that comes out in different ways exactly. with children. So once you kind of identify this is why you're frustrated, then we can put you on the path to success. And I mean, ultimately reaching some of those goals that they may have even, um, you know, just all those question marks and then finally having a solution. Right, and when you talk to dyslexics, you know, that have dropped out of school, they will tell you that it was early years, first, second, third grade, they knew something was wrong. Their parents knew something was wrong. They just didn't know what it was. All right. Well, tell us, tell me in looking at, looking back over the last uh, eight or nine years, what are you most, what are you most proud of as far as successes of the Key Academy? What, what, uh, what stands out in your mind is, as what the, what this has brought to the community? Well, I think for the parents and the kids, obviously. I think it changes people's lives. And it, it's not just the individual, it is a family thing because 
if the child comes home and they can't do the homework and it takes two hours with the parents help to do the homework I mean that's hard on the family there's a lot of crying and, and that happens it happened in my household I've heard many other parents so so we're I'm proud of all the families that we've impacted and also what the school does is it serves as like a best practice model so the other schools will come and they're like, oh, we want to train our teachers. And so it's, it's a far-reaching impact. We're not finished. And I wish we had kids that all came in at the first grade. But I do think the awareness has been raised, and I think the standard of care has been raised. Yeah, That's I think you raised the bar. I think what, 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 you, what happens with Louisiana Key Academy is it raises the bar for everyone else. And people in education want to do for the children, every one of them, they want to be successful. And when they see, you know, learn new ways to, to deal with this and new ways to identify it, uh, tell them a little bit about, uh, I know you took a trip to Webster. Uh, oh, yes. And, uh, um, and talk with uh, uh, a lot of teachers there. Tell us about your response to that. So Webster Parish used a screener that we um, advise. We work with uh, two medical doctors at Yale Medical School. It's the Yale Center for Dyslexia and Creativity, and they developed a screener. It's $1.50 a student. The teacher administers it, and they did it, and I'm so proud of Webster Parish. And then they called and said, well, we've screened, but we're not equipped to then test, because you test those that are at risk for dyslexia. So we went up there, six of us, for three days and tested all those children at risk to identify which ones really have dyslexia and which ones do not. And it's always good to put faces because you see, I mean, there is one child, young girl, I mean, her IQ is off the charts. I mean, I, I tested her, I'm like, oh my. And, and they're all they're all smart, but the, and she cannot read. So when you see that, and you're like, you know, you realize the path if she doesn't learn to read, no matter how smart you are. And so everybody left Webster Parish thankful for what they had done and hoping that we can continue to work with them um, to, to help those kids that we met personally. Yeah, that's great. What, what are the challenges? What have you seen as the challenges to your work? Um, uh, the things to overcome, the barriers to overcome? Yeah, I think, well, part of it is, I always thought that if there was a published article, like in the Journal of Pediatrics, which we have, that shows that the gap is there in the first grade, that uh, policy's gonna change. You know, our doors would be, full of first graders, and that just isn't the way it works. And so big systems like the education system take a long time to change. But so I'm, I see incredible change in the last 10 years, but I know there are so many struggling students um, that are not identified, that won't reach their full potential, and some that will become incarcerated because they're smart and they'll go on the street and sell drugs. And so I think the more schools we have, 
the more it raises awareness and I think the more change there will be so that all these kids are identified. Do they have anything like this in Texas? Or is this something that we've got over Texas? <laughs> <laughs> they have a lot of certified teachers, academic language therapists, mm -hmm. but they don't have this school model, no. Yeah. And I do think it's the better model because for the reasons that we talked about. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let me, uh, let's close with just going really uh, to the broad and talk a little bit about, you know, your school is a charter school. Your school is a school of choice. Um, what uh, has the ability of the charter system in Louisiana made it easier for you to do what you're doing? Right, so we're a nonprofit. I know some people don't like charter schools, but most people like us because mm -hmm. we're a nonprofit and we're, we're serving a population that really, it's, we're unique. We're doing something different. And it does give the parent an option. So um, in that way, we're very different. And the thing about our school, we're, our authorizer is Bessie. And so we can serve kids from any parish, not just Caddo. It can be Bossier, DeSoto, Webster. And, and that's really the way the model is intended to be. Yeah. Well, I know getting started in Louisiana Key Academy in the 2023 kind of school year, um, as you look at, you know, toward the new school year, what do you want to leave with parents and uh, community uh, about the school? Well, so if you're a parent and you're worried about your child or you're a teacher and you think you'd like to work with us, e either way, our website is, if you Google Louisiana Key Academy, it will it should come up first on the search engine. And we have a new website and uh, it answers questions. It's also linked to Dyslexia Resource Center, which is our training center. And that would be the way to start. And again, if you're interested in having your child tested, having your child maybe then go to school at Louisiana Key Academy, Caddo, or maybe you wanna work here, there's all kinds of ways to get in touch with us on that website and we, we we need the community support. We're obviously gonna raise money, so if you have a lot of money, give me a call. <laughs> but, but we, so far, the community has been so warm and embracing. I really cannot say how thankful I am. And I feel like we're gonna be an asset to the community, and we are here to serve. Yeah, and I think the school system here has been embracing, too. Yes. It's, it's a refreshing and uh, a, a great, thing. Troy, this has been fantastic. A lot of good information. A lot of good information. A lot I did not know. I don't Absolutely. know about you. Now, the important takeaway, I think, for parents to hear and see from what we're saying today is, like you said, it has nothing to do, like, if you're diagnosed right. with dyslexia, that does not mean that there is a lack of intelligence, that, that IQ is low. It just means that we need to figure out a strategy to help them be successful. So I hope that parents listening to this, maybe if they see some signs, that they won't ignore it, that they'll go ahead and reach out to you, like you said. And as you mentioned, if you have a lot of money, reach out as well, right? <laughs> so, we want to make sure that we uh, support, you know, that your mission is as successful as possible. Because as you two mentioned, there are a lot of students who may deal with this silently, and we want to put them on the path toward success.
Absolutely. So thanks for talking with us Thank and informing you. us. We will have new episodes every Monday, and you can find KTBS Education Checkup wherever you listen to podcasts.